I'm Andrew O'Hagan, host of a new podcast from the London Review of Books. It's about the bloodiest and most controversial event of the Falklands War, the sinking of the General Belgrano. Margaret Thatcher was accused of a war crime. The truth would only emerge in the pages of a private diary. This is the Belgrano Diary. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the London Review Bookshop. I'm going to start with the very first sentence. I'm going to start with, uh, Ollie, you have the word hunk, and Tom, you have the word lump. Um, do they mean different things, or are they just different, dif- I mean, different words for the same thing? Ollie, can you describe what this is, this object, what shape it is, this object? Uh, yeah, it's like a handful that is torn. Okay. Yeah. I don't um, even know if hunk means... What I've used it for. Does it mean anything other than like a big beefy bloke? Well, you, you, Can I you, use you, it like a chunk? Or a chunk? You get a you get a you know bit of bread and a hunk of cheese, wouldn't you? I think oh yeah, yeah, know. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's the use. So he taught himself a hunk of cheese, um, a hunk of white clay. Uh, Tom, the, the word lump. Are you using a different word but trying to describe the same thing? Is it just a handful of something? Yes. Um, the object itself is the same. I mean, my decision to use that was informed sort of the context of the sentence for me. Um, lump seems like, to my ear, seems like the most natural way to describe an amount of clay like that. Uh, and I wanted to, um, in this story as well as in other stories in the collection, um, it kind of functions, it seemed to me, by kind of hurrying the reader through to a little a little sort of punchline at the end, a little kind of shock surprise at the end of the sentence. And so I wanted to, all the way through this sentence, sort of kind of hurry the reader through without... Like, so, so I went for the most natural things to my ear, um, without sort of really noticing that the sentence, is, the sentence was happening. Mm-hmm. And then they would get to that, that end, you know, slightly... Up unexpected thing, and it would have its effect, the effect that it had on me, I suppose. Can I ask if either of you... This is a slightly strange question, but can I ask whether either of you actually thought about what this word was, or how much that word just was the word that came out when you were doing it? I mean, how... how this is always yeah, a strange I, I gave it a bit, of, a bit of thought, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I ask that because I usually don't, um, because I think oh, right. that, that a lot of what's happening when you're translating is that it seems like the right word, um, and you use it rather than going, well, I have, I have these six synonyms and I'm going to weigh them all up separately. But I, how d- much I didn't separate it from the other words in the sentence, yeah. I just thought, hunger by clay. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, I didn't think about it that much, I have to say. It sounds kind of wetter to me, actually. <laughs> and it sounds a bit like something that's just been separated off a kind of... Um, uh, well, you know, the sound uh, clay makes as it comes off a larger... Uh, I don't know what they're called, those large bags, Mm. once you wet them. Uh, Just felt a bit better. Mm. Do you... Yeah, actually, the whole phrase, hunger by clay. When you're talking about the sound, I'm sure we'll we'll come back to this later, do you uh, read stuff aloud? Is is that one of the the measures of of whether it's the right phrase? Uh, If I've got time. 
<laughs> Excellent. Yes, ideally. Yes, ideally. It takes ages. It does. Tom, what about you? Is that yeah, something? Is that, is that so, a, yeah, it's one of one of the stages of editing. Yeah. Um, we have a, a hunk of clay or a lump of clay, um, and we have kneading it. One of you is kneading it, and one of you is kneading it with one hand. What is this? How is there a discrepancy here? Ed, would you read the first, the whole first sentence in mm -hmm. Spanish, please? Agarró un bodoque de barro húmedo y mientras lo amasaba con la mano me dijo que su mamá había sido una experta en degollar gallinas. Lo amasaba con la mano. Ed, will you explain what's happening in that phrase? How those how those bits of that sentence work? Um, amasaba con la mano. Yeah, yeah. A few things that are that are interesting um, from what Tom said that I consciously left out commas in this book. There should be commas in this sentence. And, and, and I want the reader in Spanish to rush. There's, there's this sense of run-on sentence, I think we say in English, no? Um, so that is intentional. Uh, what you're referring to, Danny, the, the amasaba con la mano. Amasaba is a word that in Spanish is used for dough. You need dough. Amasar is to need. Um, Barro húmedo mientras lo amasaba con la mano me dijo que su mamá había sido... Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're referring to now. Yeah, but, you, but it, do you have to say that it's with the hand? Because in Spanish, literally it's saying kneading it or squishing it or whatever. Yeah. No, with, no, with no. The hand. No, you could leave out. You could leave out with the hand. But the emphasis here is on his hands, as will be with the mom's hands. I'm getting ahead. I'm spoiling it for everybody. There is an important... Point I want to make with hands, as you know, you, you both. Has, so, everyone, has everyone had a chance to sort of skim through these? Yeah, yeah I think. Yeah. So, so, so we're okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, so no spoilers. It's fine. So there's no spoilers. They all die at the end. It's a catastrophe. <laughs> the hand did it. Yeah. yeah. So this this phrase of, of you know it, it's redundant to say amasaba con la mano. I could have just said amasaba. You don't you don't need with anything else but but I have. <laughs> but it serves two purposes. One is the focal point of what I want. I want the camera to go to the hand. If this was a, you know, a, a movie shot. Uh, and the rhythm of the sentence. If I take out with con la mano, it's, it's, uh, it's going to wobble. Talk about the rhythm of the sentence. Would you, each of you, read your sentences again? Ollie, would you read your first sentence again, please? He tore himself a hunk of wet clay, and as he needed it, he told me that his mother had been an expert at cutting chicken's throats. Tom? He tore off a lump of wet clay, and as he kneaded it with one hand, told me that his mother had been an expert when it came to rigging chickens' necks. We will in a moment talk about what is happening to these chickens, because you will notice that they meet different ends at the end of a sentence. We could possibly spend the entire hour talking about this. Um, uh, Ed knows that we're going to have this conversation. He's been warned about that one. Um, but I wanted to ask you to read those, because Ed mentioned something about the, the rhythm of the sentence. And... You read it with the same sort of shape, but Ollie has a has a comma in, uh, and and Tom does not. The comma which Ollie put in is not in the original. It's a it's a comma which I certainly would have put in, um, but for the fact that, and this is where this event is slightly unusual. We all know that Ed is allergic to commas. <laughs> Normally, one would not actually, uh, one wouldn't be able to second guess what a writer would think about you making. Frankly, very slight, not terribly big <laughs> changes to their text. He'd barely, um, have, barely have words if he could have his way, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. He'd, he'd, he'd published post-its. Post 
These are very long stories. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so I, I, I kind of want to ask both about Ollie about the, the comma which you added, um, but also about uh, how much you have in mind the fact that you you know that if you were translating this for publication, you would send it to Ed and he would say he would <laughs> make you take it out again. Yeah, yeah. I should say this is the first time. I don't know how many stories I've translated by Ed, but this is the first one I've done. Uh, with no contact with him, no. uh, which is a joy. I'm joking. Yes. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm half joking. Half joking. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a sort of this so I just, with the author thing. I just wrote it and sent it to Danny. Um, what was the question? Would I have? How, how much are you aware, first of all, that, that you're that, that of the function of adding this comma there, which which sort of makes sense when you're reading it in English. It makes sense because that's also where you pause, it's where you breathed when you were reading it. Well, well, once I stop thinking about the original and just have to write a sentence in English, I have to write it something a bit more like this. I mean, I sometimes write versions of Ed's sentences um, with more what I think is called interlinear translation where you're more or less just replacing the words. Mm. Um, and it would, be, it would be tempting to try it and I sort of have, but actually, uh, it's an interesting question because I've changed the way I translate Ed's stories um, after all of these conversations, right? Um, you have this little devil on your shoulder now. I do. An Ed-shaped devil but, saying, no, 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 right. no italics. <laughs> but, 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 but this time round, he wasn't there, so I, would, I, just, I just went ahead. You went crazy. Yeah. Repunctuating things. Yeah, yeah. But I am now. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have invited him. I just... I, <laughs> we were doing so well, weren't we? For English reading and writing, you just... To me, you can't not have one there unless... I mean, actually, it depends if you're the writer or the translator. And also who you're writing for. But in a sense, the kind of... The copy editing of Ed's work is where it's all to play for because if you're trying to get his voice, it seems to me actually these things matter kind of more than anything. I mean, actually we've got a question of kind of content, if I can put it like that, at the end of this sentence where <laughs> someone's made a massive cock-up, and I think it might be me, although I did try um, and find, uh, find the real meaning of that phrase. Uh, but basically with the words there isn't much doubt. It's just, about, it's just about how you're stringing them together. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and you could nonetheless come up with really different ways of writing Ed's stories in English. Tom, did you, did you toy with the idea of a comma at any point? Because you read it like, the, when you read it aloud, you read it like there was a comma there. You, you paused in the same place, that, that's why I asked you to uh, do that. You paused in the same place that Ollie paused. Um, I had a comma there, I had some and comma, needing it with one hand, comma. Um, right. But then scratched that for the reasons I've sort of already explained, of wanting mm. to hurry the reader through. I mean, that's... That was my reasoning on the sentence, yeah. Let's, let's look at this, uh, the ending to this sentence, um, in which actually uh, I think neither of, neither of you uh, messed up, you'll be pleased to know. Um, <laughs> it's, it is possible that the, uh, the writer may... Yeah, uh, we can ask sli- Slightly uh, might possibly have messed up a little bit here. Um, would you explain you those two... <laughs> Sacrilege, isn't it? Position of party, there are three of us and one of him. We can do anything yeah. we want. Um, would you just explain 
first of all, Ed, what you had in mind, just yeah, what the picture yeah, was. Because let's, let's start with the let's start with yeah. the image. Everything Ed writes starts with images. This is what you said. So I'd yes. like you to describe the image yeah. um, or act out the image of what's happening uh, in this moment of someone who's who's about to dig or yard. Right. Which is a moment that comes that is better described later in the story, mm -hmm. right? Um, blood and lots of it, mm -hmm. you know, which is important here. The, 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 that image that is that will come later of not just cracking their necks, which is one way of killing chickens, perhaps. Perhaps cracking, cracking, cracking. Right. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, is that the right word? Yeah. Cracking in English? Yeah. Snapping. Snapping. <laughs> or breaking. Breaking, breaking the rings. Yeah. Right? Which would... You ring, but you, you say rings. rings. Yeah. You say rings. rings. Is yeah. the, is the verb you right. Use. Yeah. But that would produce no blood. Mm. And also not necessarily noise. I just mentioned noise. Exactly. One of the things we're going to come to later in the story is the, the word which is used to describe yeah. what happens uh, to the chickens later in the story is, uh, is a sound word. It's a sound. Thronido, which means yeah. what? Hmm. It's a Look at my one. It's, it's, got <laughs> it's a snap. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's an you know, um, onomatopoeic. It's onomatopoeic. So it's, it's a, a strong sound uh, yeah. accompanied by a strong color. Okay. Mm. okay, so it is it is very visual. What I want to. But do. it's a, but it is a, it's a snapping or breaking yeah. sound. Yeah. But the goyard suggests at least suggests to me some uh, the Absolutely. cutting of a throat. Yeah. So there I, is, yeah, I did. I did a look. Legitimate confusion, I think. I couldn't find any any meaning of that that wasn't about slicing a throat with a blade, mm. right. goyar. Right. And I thought, actually, I couldn't find I couldn't find any word goya or goyo. Does anyone know of one? Because it, it's d, whatever it is. So it. But it must be from like like, like girl in French. It must be. It must. It must have some. There must be one of the roots. Must be the word for throat. Well, it, the G-O, but do you have a... No, with the G-O double L is... No, no. But it's a bit like cuello, isn't it? Yeah. But am I wrong in saying that something's being dis something or yeah, d something, right? Could it, could so, it come from de cuellar? Yeah, that, that's probably what it used to be, right? De cuellar, to d, to d neck. Yes. Although, what is that? <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I did just want to mention that when, while we're talking about this subject, I'm going to ask Tom in a second about his, his choice at this point. But um, those of you who've been to these events before will know that uh, one thing I like to do, mostly as a way of making us translators feel better and employable, is to run the text through an automatic translator, um, which is always very heartening. Um, unusually in this Gets case... Gets less heartening. It, it gets get less and less hutting. Certainly, this is, this is, I'm sorry to say, the least funny we've had, which is extremely disappointing, which suggests that it is sort of creeping up on us. Um, and in this instance, the very first sentence, while it is a fairly crappy translation in lots of ways, it ha it's done one thing which I think is quite clever. I'm just going to read you the first sentence translated by uh, Babelfish. The first, it begins, it doesn't, it, Babelfish doesn't really do. Um, doesn't do pronouns. Do it doesn't people. do pronouns at all. Um, especially because in Spanish you don't always have a pronoun, so it doesn't normally know what it's referring to. So we have, we're not beginning with a pronoun. The Bergelfish translation begins grabbed, grabbed a bodoque wet mud. <laughs> bodoque, it obviously kind of went 
Yeah, I've never any idea. <laughs> grabbed, grabbed a bodoke wet mud, and while he needed by hand, told me that his mother had been an expert in slaughtered chickens. And while that's obviously terrible, I did read that and think, slaughtered chickens is quite a good solution if you don't know what you're doing. It's, it seems like it's more on a mass scale, though, to slaughter. It's like a lot. Is it, it's something, it has the image of a slaughterhouse and masses and masses of them. That's personal. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Can, Tom, will you, will you say something about uh, about your decision? You decided to to eliminate the, 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 the cutting of from the, the dictionary translation. <laughs> yes, that's which a is to way. slit, isn't it? I mean, degollar is to slit. Mm. That's right. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. So I changed it. Um, <laughs> uh, you no, changed it, and you asked the author's permission only after you'd done it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, so when it actually comes, so you know, this is informed by when it actually happens in the in the story. Um, there's no there's no mention of a cutting implement. Um, I decided it wasn't slaughter; it was on a, a, a smaller scale. Um, it didn't seem to me. It didn't seem to me like a ceremonial sort of blood spilling thing. It's, it's something. Um, that happens like that, um, and it's a it's a it's a quick and functional thing, isn't it? Yeah, and the mo- and, and there's also just afterwards there's the mention of her apretando el pescuezo, so squeezing the neck. But the most important thing for me was the distinction between, between what she does and what the father does. Exactly. The father turns up with a machete, right. Mm. right, and and messes everything up, like. That's his presence in the story, um, and I think there's something about, you know, uh, just that very short sentence of um, when when the father shows up. I, I feel he's quite an ominous presence, and the mother is different to him. So, so one thing this is this is a, a slightly tidier way of killing chickens. Exactly, it's cleaner. It's a, it's a slight, it's, it's cleaner and it's slightly less. She knows what she's doing. The yeah. father turns up. And she's an like, expert, in fact. As, a, as we, you know. She's an expert. Yeah. <laughs> um, we are going to venture into the second sentence. Oh. Yeah. Terribly exciting. Um, I hope you all have sleeping bags and you know primer stoves and things. Um, we might at some point accelerate. We might just do this all evening. Um, we're going to venture into the second sentence. Um, can I ask... I'd like you to read the first and second sentence together because I'm going to talk about, I think, the rhythm of that second sentence. It'll be nice to get, as it were, to get a run-up to it. Ed, will you read the first two sentences, please? So from the beginning? From the beginning, as far as I can. Oh, before I, before I read, uh, Alicia, Spaniards, do you, in Spain, do you use bodoque? Bodoque is Guatemalan. That's why... Uh, this yeah. is why Babelfish and all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Agarró un bodoque de barro húmedo y mientras lo amasaba con la mano me dijo que su mamá había sido una experta en degollar gallinas. Teníamos una granja cerca de Fraijanes. Thank you. Uh, Tom, can you read those two sentences, please? He tore off a lump of wet clay and as he kneaded it with one hand told me that his mother had been an expert when it came to wringing chickens' necks. We had a farm near Fraijanes. Thank you, Holly. I'm starting to hate my first sentence. I'll read it, I'll read it one more time. A hunk of wet clay, what the hell is that? 
like an Adonis. Yeah. 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 I quite liked the swing. I quite liked the swing of it at first. No, no, I got to stick to my guns. He, my hunks. He tore himself a hunk of wet clay, and as he needed it, he told me that his mother had been an expert at cutting chickens' throats. We had a farm near Flohannis. Thank you, um, Tom. You won't be surprised to know that I'm going to ask you about splitting that sentence into two sentences, um, which uh, I don't know whether this is a tiny little change, we had a farm near Flaihanis, or whether this is a massive and shocking and inexcusable transgression huh. that the author will uh, I don't know. have what? comments about. That's not, yeah, that's not up to me. Uh, Has he gone too far, Mr. Author? That's, that's the question. Um, I quite like it. Uh, it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> Because he's sitting next to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. I, totally I, like, I do like it, but it is different. Um, I think Ollie is closer to the Spanish, um, you know, a smaller pause in, in this sentence, which is closer to the way this character would say it in Spanish. He wouldn't. He wouldn't come to a complete stop. Uh, so, it, so it reads more to you like he's he's making a statement, like he's he's a sort of conscious storyteller. Yeah. Because to me, I, I. Um, I think that having a comma and a full stop in English serve a similar function. I read those both as someone who's beginning to remember, and he's, he sort of gets the one bit of information, we had a farm, and then he gets another bit of information near Freyhannis. Like, so actually, the, I, I get the opposite sense from... But you could also make the argument to remove both comma yeah. or period. And just say we had a farm near Fry House. But you, but you, but then, that's, then that's or, one or piece of information, right? Yeah. Or, or in you, Spanish. But yeah. the Spanish doesn't have that. No, because what's important here, I think, is the farm. Mm. Where it, the location of the farm is an add-on. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, so making it, making one statement without anything in the middle might suggest we had a farm in Fry House, and the important thing is that we're telling you where the farm is, right? Rather right. than we're telling you that there's right. a farm. Right. It was, by the way, right. in this particular By the way, place. all these things I didn't think about when I was writing this. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you? We didn't think yeah. about them when we were translating. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about them now. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I, I just think Tom's is a bit better. I think that's more how people speak. You say one thing and then you say another. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But that can happen, no, Danny? In going from one language to the other. Oh, yes. This, this wonderful. Yeah. Much, much better than the original. <laughs> Don't go anywhere near the original, I tell you. This wonderful. Very, very good. Very good. Um, you, everyone knows the board case quite, yes, presumably? Yeah. 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 About the... Tra- what is it? The transla- No, the original the being unfaithful to the translation. translation. Yeah. All oh, right. Um, I think it was the original is unfaithful, unfaithful to the translation. translation. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's this basically. Yes, yes. yes. The lady has a question. Yes. Ah. No. 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 Granja could be. Could, it's general. No. It could, it could be any type of produce or animals. But it's a small farm. No. It's a smaller. But actually, you'd find words. You'd find words like that varying so much in different Spanish-speaking countries. Where, mm. where, where do you know your? All oh, right. Yeah. But in places where there was, I mean, you can see refugee camps. 
right? Well, it's like yard, isn't it? Yeah. It's a farm. It's more like a farmyard. Is that fair? A fink- finca sounds bigger to me. Yes, we have another. There's, the been, there's been no editor in, in this one particularly here. Oh, okay. Is that, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say, for example, for the Polish boxer, whether or not, you know, it's interesting that the punctuation, the proofreading, the copy editing, there's two processes going on. Is it the translator's responsibility first and then subsequently the English editor? It depends who you ask. <laughs> Well, and this is slightly a false, you know, as has been sort of mentioned, this is slightly a false process because you'll very rarely translate, let alone write anything without it going through an editor. But we've had to act as the editor as well in this. Has, that, has, the, has the way. In this instance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has the way you translated these stories for tonight, uh, was the process different? Was the way you thought about it, either of you, different? Because. First of all, it wasn't going to be edited, but also because you were going to have to stand up here and justify why you chose this word rather than that word. Did it make a difference? I tried to keep it as, as the same to my normal process because I sort of trust that process. Um, I mean, I was thinking about sitting up here in front of 90 people and defending my translation decision. So um, it was different. It definitely felt different. And I reckon I probably would have come out with something different if... Yeah, if the circumstance has been different, and if we had been allowed um, access to the to the author, because I, I haven't worked with any dead authors, I've only worked with ones who I can email and say, you know, you've got this ambiguity. What are you going for? And we couldn't do that in this case. So, yeah. I think I did something a bit more rough and ready because I knew that it I wasn't going to have to have. <coughs> well, I suppose. I suppose if you're working for an editor, you're more... I mean, possibly I should have applied the same principle to this. Actually, there's two reasons. One is that the more, um, the more spontaneously I did it, I assumed, the more uh, variant and interesting it would be. Uh, and the other is, if I feel like I'm going to have to go through a long kind of track changes email conversation... Um, I almost have to decide what I'm going to say about stuff uh, as I write it. But that's a slightly unnatural way of doing it. Well, which, starts to cha- which starts to change, you know, if you work with an author or an editor more, you start... I mean, I don't know if this is a shame or not, but you start anticipating it, and you start having to decide whether you can be bothered to keep going with this fight about commas or just change the way you're doing it, and so on. Uh, but I think... Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I realised it was all going to be written down and printed out in this <laughs> beautiful font and given to everybody in the room. So I'm not sure I was quite bearing that in mind. But I wanted it to be sort of, I don't know, more or less kind of contingent. You know, hmm. there was a question. Excellent.
I should have said that. <laughs> you, that that's, yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom yeah. was saying something like that just before we came on stage, yeah. actually. Do you want to come aboard for the next book? There's yeah. five of us. We might as well have ten. Yeah, yeah we're recruiting tonight. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Let's, let's, uh, let's try that third sentence. Um, Ed, would you read us in Spanish sentence three, please? Uh, just that one. Just the sentence, thanks. Caminé. Mm-hmm. Caminé hasta la cafetera grande y metálica. Uh, Me serví otro poco. Oh, sorry, sorry. Just that first, that's the beginning. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Ollie, just, just the one sentence, please. I walked over to the big metal coffee pot. I walked over to the large metal coffee pot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously one of those is terrible. And, <laughs> and obviously the other one is a perfect translation. Um, we have walked and went. We have oh. big and large... Okay. Um, we also have uh, coffee pot is one word or two. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We're going to talk about it. Swear to God, we're going to talk about that, that coffee pot. Um, literally, it's walked. Yes, gamine. Uh, Tom, you changed to went. Mm. Deliberately? <laughs> um, I think that's a tendency in my writings, just to down-register where possible, really. Unless there's something... Mm. Well, okay, it says Camino, so I should have done walked. But, um, yeah. But actually, what, uh, it, it, that, the, is also presumably what you would use. I mean, you wouldn't, you'd never say in Spanish, would you say fui hasta? So the fact that you're using Camino doesn't mean necessarily that you are emphasizing the walkingness of it. You're going over. Are there really no alternatives? Because it still feels very deliberate. Mm. Yeah, there are any alternatives? There must be. Well, you might use a word meaning approached or something. Or yeah, yeah, me, me acerqué. Yeah. Yeah. It felt so deliberate. Uh, I walked. Yeah, it's farther away. Me acerqué could be closer. Mm. No? So, so can we involves taking a certain number yeah, of steps right, across right. the and room? Right, right, and this is a sculptor's studio. So it is yeah. also giving a sense of, you know, I'm walking around him while he's working. I'm making this up as I go. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so are we. Um, big and large. Oh, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just received the proof of a book uh, by a Brazilian writer called Chico Buarque, who, uh, in the, the little bio thing at the back of the proof, it, uh, it described him as one of the largest stars in Latin American music. <laughs> which, which, which is obviously wrong. But at the same time, there, obviously there has to be a difference between big and large, if, if that is wrong, which it clearly is. But what is the difference between big and large, then? I'm just going to leave that. To anyone, any, any offers. I mean, in that instance, obviously, you, use, you don't use large meaning anything other than you know, of, of physical size, I think. Yeah, big and most important, and you'd use... Um, you, yes, you'd only use large as a literally physically large thing. You wouldn't say something is a large deal. You, you don't have a large problem, you have a big problem. Um, you might have a large, have a large problem, a problem which is, which is, you know, six foot seven and angry with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ed, Ed's not that tall. <laughs> yes. uh, well, I don't know whether we can talk about the difference between those words or whether, whether I should really ask a sort of the question which I asked at the beginning, which was in the first sentence, which is, 
how deliberate are you when you choose these words? Do you was there a moment at which you thought, "Am I going to use this one or that one?" Or is that simply Ollie? I'll start with you. Is that simply just the word that was there? Was or are there drafts which have a large problem, a big problem, a ginormous problem, not too small a problem? How 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 quickly do you just come to that solution? Uh, well, uh, hmm? I mean, I'm oh, sorry. There's one. Um, I mean, one thing I mentioned earlier is that. I just try and sort of write it down. I just kind of like <coughs> splat it on the page like that. And I try and I try and then leave it if I don't have a problem. Because a bit like um I've never actually watched the game show, but where they where you have uh, different prizes in different boxes and you're gonna open one and there's loads of money inside or whatever. Anyway, there's a statistic about inviting people to change their minds and then then becoming wrong on more occasions. That's all I'm referring to. So to me, if I write down something more or less quickly and then on a second look, it looks fine. I really try to leave it. Um, Unless there's a reason, a particular reason. And that's as an English reader. Yeah. Uh, But the second reason is that there's something about Ed's writing which has been mentioned already, which is that um, as far as I understand it, it's trying to be really, really stripped. Mm. Right. Mm. And it's trying... It's doing its best not to say anything other than what it's saying, if you see what I mean. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. But something like, I walked over to the big metal coffee pot, it really doesn't want you to kind of pay any more attention to it than that. Mm. Not that large would make you do that. Mm. But I wouldn't want to... You want anything to be conspicuous in the sentence. Yeah, or, yeah, or seem kind of more grand or important than mm. the sentence. I mean, this one in Spanish doesn't have any punctuation. It's pretty brief. He went over to it. It's a coffee pot. It's quite big. Uh, yeah. But then large actually seems like more of a description to take you in. I went over to this coffee pot, which, by the way, was large. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, no, because, of course, if you write, I went over to the big metal coffee pot, you're distinguishing from smaller ones. So. There's that. Yeah. Ah. You, you rest on large That's what I don't want to do. Mm. Would you read them aloud again? Tom, I want would to read, resist. Tom, would you read your sentence again, please, out loud? I went over to the large metal coffee pot. <laughs> I walked over to the big metal coffee pot. <laughs> kind of, we've kind of... Um, Ed, Ed, would you... Uh, actually, it's, it's sort of should, in, in a sense, from our, the logic so far, it sort of walked kind of goes with large, yeah. and yes. went kind of goes with big, so... One all. One. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just mentioned that, that Babelfish does... Uh, Babelfish... Puts punctuation in the sentence, uh, which is outrageous. But if he really wanted that coffee, and he strode over to the enormous coffee pot, marched over, and then went into the coffee <laughs> I don't think the, the I don't think he's sh- that bothered about the coffee. The author, the author would shout at you if you tried that. <laughs> Not literally, no. but by email. Well, sorry. Anyway. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, it's too. It's over the top. No. Um, what it, what it, 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 as you say, Ollie, it shouldn't be. That's not the point. Um, I don't want the reader to, to, to stay here. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous, but it's a bit like he's, he's a bit like strolled over. Hmm. Right? Side You're kind over. of taking up the time. I mean, he's telling you a story. You're walking over, having coffee. Right. Yeah. But I think grande metallica makes it quite big. Yeah, that's true. No. No, no, no. Sí. Sí, las cafeteras. No, these these big industrial 
But there are lots of syllables in the Spanish as well, aren't there? They're, they're, they are bigger words. Because of that. Because if not, it's a coffee maker that can be a, just a, you know, a, a Mr. Coffee type pot. Um, and he had a huge... Large. That, that <laughs> large. <laughs> Sorry, large. Huge. Sorry. Apparently it's huge now. Fine. Uh, <laughs> are you talking about a big urn? A big urn? Like a samovar size thing. Yeah. That makes coffee kind of... Yeah. 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 Ah. That didn't belong there. Uh, right, right, right. Right? It doesn't belong there. He, I thought cafetera was a stove top coffee pot. Yeah, that's what I've seen a big one of those. I think it could be both. <laughs> I think you need to illustrate your books. It's very problematic if we don't know what you're talking about. I just wanted to say that Babelfish not only puts in a, a comma in the middle, um, for which, of course, we hold it in nothing but contempt, but it also has, it, it says the following I walked up. To the large, comma, metal coffee. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a lo- there's, a, there's a large, or possibly a big metal coffee. I mean, it's not, not hugely appealing, is it? that for the people who are right at the back. The question was whether in Spanish there is an e, the word meaning and, separating the two adjectives. So the coffee pot is grande e, e uh, metallica. So the question is whether that is actually necessary in Spanish or whether Ed has actually added that word. Sep- it, it, is, those it two, is necessary those or replaceable by a comma. Ah. <laughs> yeah. so, so it is as a, as a list of adjectives, for example. No? A list of would two. would be more grammatically strange, wouldn't it? Caminé hasta la cafetera grande. Metallic, yeah, yeah it's, that would it's be too bizarre. Being... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about yeah. la gran cafetera metallica? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you yeah. could have done. And why didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel sorry it, for no, him. No, no, he no, knows no, that we're going to do this to him. No, it doesn't, it doesn't sound right. Gran cafetera metallica, no? No. No, it doesn't sound right. You, I, you, need, I should... you need the two descriptions. Um, <laughs> that would have been the plainest thing you could have written, actually. Which one? No. The, the most, oh, the most you neutral. Do. Yeah. The most yeah. Which one? So actually I'm wrong about the stripped down thing because Gran Cafetera Metallica is the plainest thing you no, could have written. No, because Gran Cafetera Metallica can also oh, be great. great. Yeah, 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 yeah. As in, as in a quality. As, as in a majestic. Yeah. Yeah. It can be quite, quite interesting sometimes just to do an interlinear translation to see how important word <laughs> order is because if you had an English, I, so as literally as you can do it, I walked towards the coffee pot, grand and metallic. It shows you just, just how much you're going to have to change because it's complete rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> so you have you you know particularly with adjectives. Yes. It's always a game of uh, register. You're going to have to move it around. Let's uh, jump forward a little bit because we've had nearly an hour. Um, I, f- I feel we haven't got everything we could have got out of those first three sentences, but nonetheless, in the interest of, uh, I'm assuming there are people here who have lives. Well, and stuff Danny, before you go to that one, before um, we do that, apparently not. Do that. we're not done yet. Curiously enough, um, the, when I met these three uh, 
Say something nice. Team members. <laughs> Team members. Uh, Very good. Very good. We did this same exact exercise, <laughs> but it was 12 translators. And it did actually yes. take five days. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's yes. not a joke. That bit was not a joke. It does take... The, yeah. the, the British Centre for Literature... And we paid. And okay. they paid. I know, it's really funny. Um, yeah. The British Centre for Literature yeah. Translation, where Kate and I work, uh, we have a summer school uh, every year, which every uh, summer, obviously, um, where we do just kind of lock a writer and uh, a dozen translators in a room together with a short story and say, go. Um, and they do just argue. It is, it is at this sort of pace. It is, it? it is, absolutely. It is, it is just, you know, commas and... But, it, but it's multiplied by six because it was 12. Yeah. No, here's there's just two. Where's your thing? Where's your thing just two. Yeah, just two translators. Yes. He's so spoiled, just two translators. <laughs> yes. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll plug. Uh, my friends are here from New Spanish Books, and I just wrote a piece about this. About that experience. Yeah, which will be published soon, Alicia. Hopefully, in the next few days. Um, let's jump down a few lines to... Uh, a page? Not quite a whole page. Um, can we jump to the second half of what, we, of what uh, you all read to begin with? Um, so, Ed, I'm going to ask you to read from uh, Pero Recuerdo, que empezó con diez o doce gallinas. So like five lines down. Uh, just just mu- much further up than that. Pero recuerdo. Oh, I see. It's in the middle of what he's just saying. From, from there yeah. until yeah. Uh, Adán. From there until Adán. Okay. Pero recuerdo que empezó con diez o doce gallinas y un gallo pinto y en nada de tiempo ya había llenado la granja de gallinas y las vendía por todas partes. Estaba arrancando pedacitos de barro y luego pegándolos a la escultura como si fueran pedacitos de chicle sucio. Mi hermano y yo la acompañábamos los fines de semana. El gallo era nuestra mascota. Había que limpiarlo y darle de comer, supuestamente, pero cuidándonos de sus espuelas. Se llamaba Adam. Thank you. Um, Tom, would you read that same bit, please? But I remember. But. But I remember she started out with 10 or 12 hens, <coughs> plus one speckled rooster, and in no time at all she'd filled the whole farm with chickens, and people were buying them up left, right and centre. He was tearing off little gobs of clay and then sticking them to the sculpture like they were pieces of dirty chewing gum. Me and my brother went with her on weekends. The rooster was our mascot. We had to clean it and give it feed, supposedly, but being careful of its spurs, it was called Adam. But I can remember she started with ten or a dozen chickens and a cockerel, and in no time at all she had filled the place with chickens and she was selling them all over. He was grabbing little pellets of clay and jamming them onto the sculpture like they were little dirty bits of chewing gum. Me and my brother used to go with her at the weekends. The cock was our pet. We were supposed to keep him clean and feed him, but watching out for his spurs. He was called Adam. Thank you. Um... Let's start at the end of that with Adam or Adam. <laughs> um, Ollie, you've, you've, re, you've not exactly re, rechristened this creature, but you've uh, interesting word translated choice. the name. Interesting word choice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought, as an English reader, you wouldn't necessarily know. If you didn't speak or read any Spanish, would you know that A-D, A accent N... I suppose you could probably work it out if you thought about it. 
is Adam. Okay, getting two head shakes. Okay, you couldn't from the middle there on the right. So it just seems to me, you know, from some points of view, a pretty important name. Not that you're trying to be biblical, but it just—I don't know—I just couldn't sort of couldn't get round that. And then, but then again, something seems silly about a rooster called Adam. <laughs> but doesn't the same thing seem silly about you know Pinto que se llamaba Adam? It's assuming that there is a reason why that you're supposed to know why the. Yeah, there, there is some significance to this. Yeah, that's name. what I've assumed, yeah. But actually, if you're doing a whole book and you've got a series of names like this, you have to make loads of decisions. And the more instances you have of an individual name like that, and then the more examples of that sort of translation that you're having to try to, try to do over a book, the harder it becomes. And the freer and further your translation has to go. And, and thus, the more debatable. So it's okay in one instance like this, but you know, imagine if the book was about Adam the Rooster. Ed, can you can you say something about how you how you feel about whether or not it's necessary or uh, appropriate or helpful to give people this extra bit of information in case they don't know that Adam is Adam? I, I think that I agree with Adam. Yeah, I agree with the with. Because Adam, even if it's a handful of readers that can't do the math and translate it in, into English, you'd leave them out of this name. Yeah? Some people would want to do that. <laughs> Some translators. Some people wouldn't mind uh, narrowing their readership for you know, certain, I don't know, literary purposes, I suppose. But also, is it a question of whether you can translate this, whether it's the kind of name you can translate into English without it sounding more preposterous than the English, than the, than the Spanish was. Mm. It'll, be, it'll be very hard to have a, a rooster which is called Esteban and you call him Steve in English without it being funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, right. And, and, and it's a relatively, it's, it's a, you, can, you can do it in a relatively uh, neutral, um, yeah, sorry, there's yes, some I comment. I want to Oh, you wouldn't have picked up. No, it sounds um, more exotic in Spanish, so I, I like reading Adam, but mm. it, it really informs me to read the translation of Adam, but it makes it really anglicised. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is a problem, you know, it, it really clunks, it looks really odd to me. In a good yeah. way or in a bad way? Well, I didn't know, it, it introduces something that I wouldn't have picked up on, that concept of, of Adam. But isn't it interesting that a cockerel called Adam is weird or funny to us? Um, why, why is that? I don't think he is. I think if you read the whole story, it's, I actually think it's a bit of a deviation. For, well, from my sense of this story, if you if you introduce biblical symbolism, I mean it's there in Spanish, but I don't think that's a, uh, I don't think that's important in the story. Why why Adam? Why why Adam rather? I have to talk about the story. Go on. Um, this story belongs to a book Danny, Danny mentioned called uh, A Stutterer's Eloquence, would be the English um, equivalent. And these are pieces that I wrote for a newspaper. Um, and I published them as a weekly column during a year. So I, I published a, a, a story a week every Wednesday. And this is one, these are two of them, yeah, uh, during 2009. And they were stories 
that other people told me during the week. So they're all real. Uh, this is the sculptor is my best friend. And this is his story. So I would spend all week listening to somebody's little, you know, <coughs> anecdote that meant something more than what it than its words. Okay? That's that's what I was looking for. And then I would get home and play with it a little bit. His rooster was named Adam. <laughs> There's no symbolism that I wanted to, to fit into the story. But there is a symbolism there that he had as a kid when he na- why did he name him Adam? And the symbolism is there in the story whether you put it there whether I, you want it to be there exactly, or not. Exactly. Those of us make we either make an association or exactly. whether whether you yeah. whether you right. intended it. Right. Subconsciously or not. In, in the author's case. Let's let's talk about that that Yeah, not not sure I use the word alienate, but yeah, I, mean, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But but it makes it harder. For, it, it, there are some readers who won't get what that is. Yeah. Already willing to what? Sorry. And in the same way that we see Freikhan is like this is in a foreign place. That I mean. I, okay, so uh-huh. I had a farm near Frinton. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem with that, of course, is I put in a full stop there, which you realise is yeah. good. <laughs> we had a farm near Comma, small Comma. Um, in, in Spain, they refer to Prince Charles as Carlos. And that's just weird. Like, um, <coughs> to, to, and living there, I always found that so weird to domesticate in that way. Um, and. Right, I, yeah. Yeah, that, that had an impression on me. It's actually a rule that you have to translate the, mon- the monarchy, the mm. of the monarchy into... into yeah, and where, where does that come from? Who, when did that in begin? Katie. Who's in charge of that rule? Yeah. But, where, but when did it begin? It's quite a political thing, isn't it? But it is a rule for translation. So you could leave any other name mm. as it is, ah. but you have to translate. Like Kate, when she got married, they suddenly changed it to... Catherine. But would, but would people not find it would people not find it strange if we refer to the Spanish king John Charles? John Charles? <laughs> John Charles. This is a bit different. Because in, yeah. Yes. Do you think people reading the story in Spanish would, on on any level, a little light will go off saying, Adam the first man was born? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially with what's going to happen <laughs> with the father figure with the at, at the end. Right. You, know, you have this failed father mm. coming up. So the contrast between the Adam that we have in our in our in our you know in our mind, um, this huge, powerful, mythic figure, and this failed man. Adam um, fails as well, doesn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much. 
Just does he? Wait, he, you know, um, trusts Eve. Well, that, I don't think that's cool. Is that Just to. Uh, <laughs> it was all his fault. To come back. No, we're not having that conversation. <laughs> to come back to your question about is it worth, you know, doing something that'll distance some readers. Um, it can actually... Well, last time I was here, uh, Will Self was giving an event, not, not about his novel, but somebody put... We were talking about difficulty, and somebody put their hand up and said, I'm reading your new novel. Um, I wonder how you can use kind of digital stuff, you know, I don't know what he had in mind, to make it more kind of accessible or comprehensible or something. And you can start to imagine what the reaction might have been. He just said... I mean, he interrupted the guy and said, are you enjoying my novel? And the guy said, yeah, I think it's fantastic. And he said, you're my ideal reader... As in, if you're finding it difficult and enjoying it, you know, that's what I'm aiming at. Mm-hmm. But, but actually, so it's not sort of, it's not that it's more difficult, but it can have, if you leave it Adam, it can blind you to what's going on. So you think, ah, Spanish name, and you don't think about what's going on. And bringing it into Adam gives you the opportunity to do that, clunky as it might sound. Can I, can I ask you... Speak up, speak up. Use English names. Yeah. <laughs> but that is the case. That. No. No. <laughs> yes, you didn't say. It doesn't say. It says your mother Adam. No. It's a completely unresolved debate, though, this. I mean, it'll go on forever yeah. whether you should or shouldn't do these things. Um, I'd like to stay on that sentence and ask about the first word of that sentence. Uh, Which one? The, the, the Adam sentence. Ollie, would you read that sentence, please? Where's the Adam sentence? Oh, right. <coughs> he. <laughs> Tom, first word. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've lost where we are. Say it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> audience participation. Okay, it. Uh, it. Um, th- this is consistent uh, with the previous sentence, Tom, you have clean it, give it feed, be careful of its spurs. Ollie, we have keep him clean, feed him, watching out for his spurs, and he was called Adam. I should say Babelfish changes its mind every time, every, every pronoun is different. Um, what, are the, what are the sort of factors that go into deciding whether this thing is a, is a he or an it? Because both, neither of them is wrong. In Spanish, there has to be a gender because this is how the language works. Um, so at some point, uh, Tom, should I ask you first? At some point, um, you either deliberately or not deliberately are coming down with the idea, coming down with the idea mm. that this is that this is an an it yeah. in your case. I, f- I feel like my strongest choice in this part was to do with, with going for mascot um, because mascot could be a pet. Um, I like the talisman sense of mascot, um, and so that's why I went for that. And I suppose my it followed that, really. Mm. Um, something this 
something slightly that kind of maybe get, gave us luck, you know, brought us luck, this child world. And but it's a talisman is also then more object-like rather than a pet, which is something for which you feel affection. Yeah, and I, you couldn't have pet because there's no sense of them taking it home. So I sort of struck that off. Holly? It's very, it's very interesting hearing someone else talk about it, the same story, because there are places where... I think there are places where each individual thinks a lot about some things and hardly at all about others, and they don't overlap. I mean, hence, you know, these different texts. But if I think about it just like that, you do just say, it was called Adam. But then on the page, it sort of sounds a bit weird, looks a bit weird, rather. It was called Adam. But it might depend whether or not you live on a farm. I mean, I would just say... Well, we've always had cats in my family, so I would bother distinguishing their gender. And it's interesting how often people come around to your house and say, what's she called? And you say, he is called this. Um, he is called Adam. <laughs> yeah, I always think cat's female. Um, but a lot of people would just say it for a cat. Um, I'm afraid to say I would probably start with it for a pig, say. Um, I was on a pig farm not long ago, and you know the farm saying, he's this, she's that, bloody blah. And I was thinking, well, how do you tell? Aren't they just all it? Um, yeah it's harder I, to kill it within four words of the pronoun yeah. yeah yeah. but it's just there's something sounds like I say if I don't think about it it was called Adam I don't have a problem as soon as I start to think about it I want to say what I eventually went but for but they advise smaller holders not you know when you're just starting out with pigs and stuff don't give them names because you'll never end up you'll never end up as bacon yeah, yeah. and you'll never be able to translate them yeah. yeah. An LRB event. I'll just, yeah, I'll just question back in just a moment. I just wanted to. to, to um, okay, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll say it on Is more co- okay, so the he is more congruent with children's children. personal, yeah, um, the, sort of affectionate experience. So the the question is whether partly to do with whether it's a sort of childish voice, and the child somehow is more likely to mm-hmm. um, have this way of talking about a this way of talking about an animal. Because that also does link to the, the, something which I think is quite important to mention, which is it's not about how Ollie or Tom would refer to this animal. This is a first person. And what you're having to do is decide what do I think this person in this instance with this relationship to this thing, creature, animal, and what word they would have used. You're, you're um, quite right that <coughs> animals are more like people to children. They're less distinguished. Mm-hmm. And they're more, they have more, sort of, more of an entire character like other people. And I think he could be talking from that point of view and what he's doing is remembering his childhood. So I think he'd keep the same. I think he'd do the same, yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, but this particular one is the pet slash mascot. Yes. Well, this is the thing, that, that on the one hand, it is, it is an animal in a place where animals get killed and eaten. At the same time, this is, this is the chosen one, isn't it? And it's, and it's the, uh, the rooster or the cockle, so he's, he's not going to get He's the only one who's not going to get The killed. only one yeah. who isn't. Yeah. In fact, yeah, I mean, in fact, if you give it a name and an it in the same sentence, that's particularly despective, isn't it? It is called Adam. What is that thing? That is Adam. Yeah. Right? Ed, I'll take the question at the back, and then, Ed, I'm going to ask you, what, what do you feel about this sentence? Because it's only, four, it's only four words long, and we've been talking about it for what feels like our whole lives, and I'm interested in your perspective. Can I just ask the other question at the back? Can't hear you. Sorry. No. It draws attention to the. the does does pers- does does personifying the rooster uh, give it uh, emphasize the act of killing it? Is that what you said? I'm just repeating for people over here. Okay. It's very interesting. It's up to you guys. Yeah. Read us. Ed, what do I prefer? Or what, what do, do I you think? prefer? Or, or what do you think? Or. Any, any or is there a way of actually uh, yeah. resolving this? That is There's no way of resolving it. I mean, we could go on all night. Uh, and and, and <laughs> one, one goes back and forth, doesn't one? I mean, we're not really sure. Um, I would think, Danny, that I, I, I like the he more than the it for several reasons. Uh, the kids are, you know, this is, this is not an it to the kids, to him and his brother. It, it, they, they, they do care for the animal. So I think the he personifies, you know, gives it, 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 it brings it closer to the to the character. Also, um, we know what's going to happen to this he, and that slaughter that is about to happen. But it's not him who gets slaughtered, is it? It's the chickens. Is it? <laughs> Come on, Ed. Someone hasn't been reading his story. Because they wouldn't kill the rooster, would they? Right, they wouldn't get the. Right, 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 right. But but no, 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 no. But the, I mean, they're not killing things to this kid. 
Yeah. Absolutely, I think that's yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. do, you see, do you see my point? Yeah, they're not yeah, killing yeah, yeah. just just chickens. Yeah, no chickens were harmed in the translation of this story. <laughs> Adam is fine, and I still like Adam more than Adam. Hmm. Um, we've had an hour and twenty minutes. Um, I'm going to ask. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask about one more particular bit, which I think is something Ollie wants to talk about, though I know that both Ollie and Tom will re- remember a conversation about this very word from summer school, and Ed will as well. No, no. Um, no, it was, okay. it was in That's the one. In the, we don't have to. It's just a oh, it's a different one. Okay. Um, that, I'm going to ask about... Is that what you're going to do? Uh, that's yeah, exactly that's what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> okay, sculptures. We're assuming that all the rest of the story is the same. It's all yeah, basically yeah, yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> we're just going to jump to the second story. And um, uh, Ed, would you read mm-hmm. about in the Spanish about two thirds of the way down the sentence beginning? Allí, uh, in the Spanish, we'll start with Spanish page three. Um, allí en la tierra negra, yeah, y lo dosa. Uh, yeah, okay. Allí en la tierra negra y lo dosa de ese pueblo, dijo mientras intentaba contener sus tosidos. Había una mujer indígena. Oh. Okay. Um, so we're now on page 12. Um, penultimate line of page 12. Uh, Tom, would you read yours? And in that town. Um, and, right. and in that town, which was built on black sludgy earth, he said, trying to contain his coughing, there was a native woman. Right there in the muddy black earth of that town, he said, trying to contain his coughs, there was an indigenous woman. Una indígena. Ed, what does that mean, that word? To Guatemalans or to... To Guatemalans. Ah. It's one of the things, sorry, I just said... It's interesting that you asked that, but it's one of the things that's quite interesting about these translations is, in some cases, one of the differences comes where one of you has a slightly more Latin American reading and one of you has a slightly more Spanish reading. Mm-hmm. There is an instance where the word saco appears and one of you takes it to, to mean bag and the other takes it to mean jacket. Um, and is it serious? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. anyway, so, uh, what, what does the word indígena mean to, to you and the people for whom you write? Indígena is a is a. Um, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, Danny, because I know where you're going with this. So I'll try just to be <laughs> Guatemalan. Uh, indígena implies Mayan. It implies native. These are implications. It implies um, Mayan features. It implies social class and economic status. Anything else? That sounds like that sounds credible. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop. So the difference between a, a native woman and an indigenous woman. Um, Tom, let's start with you, a native woman. Was this? Think about having had this conversation in summer school. Was this a problematic one? Um, or was it easier because there weren't 12 people you had to persuade no I remember, I remember that conversation I remember all the you know it was a long and it was about politics and it was about imperialism um, but that wasn't the deciding factor for me um, in this story I think that the character of the um, 
it's an uncle, isn't it? Mm -hmm. His character is very, very important, getting a sense of him. And Native fitted for me with... Um, we have, we, it's mentioned earlier on that he comes back to the country on holidays, and obviously he's been in jail in another country. Um, it just, just fitted to my sense. I didn't really, I didn't really hear the English hymn saying indigenous. It's too scientific, mm. um, and it is, it is possibly a little bit um, pejorative. Mm -mm. Indigenous or no? Uh, no, sorry to say to what what I've got him saying. Mm. She, not quite pejorative, but yes, I'm putting on her box. She was a native woman in a rustic place. Mm. Thank you, Ollie. Yeah, you you've persuaded me actually. <laughs> I thought I thought I ju I, it was yeah. I mean, it was only suge a suggestion to talk about this in case people wanted more of a fight. So I'm sorry to let you down. Um. It is, by the way, the next line. Just I just noticed. Uh, the last word of the next line, you notice uh, the inside pocket of his jacket and the inside pocket of his bag. Um, oh, yeah. And it depends, if, it depends where you're from, basically. All right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you, you wouldn't use saco for jacket in Spain, as I understand it. Um, but you would add, you'd use saco for jacket. Um, Can we talk about the Royce? Danny, but you didn't mention this, the, the third option to an indígena, which is which was our solution. A Mayan. Woman. Mayan. I didn't like yeah. the solution. No. So, so did either of you contemplate using, calling her a Mayan woman? No, not for a minute, no. <laughs> what was the Mel Gibson <laughs> film where he goes back in history and he's like I'm running around with all the... Apocalypse. Yeah, Apocalypse. that's what I think of if you say Mayan. <laughs> and that's not an association you want here. Actually, yeah, Mayan, no. is, Mayan is the best, isn't it? Um, it's an Indian woman. Not for an English reader. Yeah, I don't think that's enough in an English language book. But for an English reader, the association would be very different. Um, there are uh, obviously quite a lot of other things we might talk about, and I circled not quite every word individually on my text, but, but a fairly large number of them. But given that we are very nearly out of time, I do feel I should just allow you to uh, say things, comment things, ask questions, general or specific, in the last in the last few minutes. Gentlemen here, yes. Uh, the situation that we've been uh, reveling in is precisely one where there's more than one translation coexisting. And I'm wondering about what that, about the role of the author. Because here we're in a situation where there is this kind of immediate dialogue with the author. And my, this is a question for me about what role should the author have. I think the authors who generally have the luxury of having more than one translation are probably often the dead authors, so they're not there. Hmm. So that the opening up of the It's a very good question. I'm going to be very nice and let the author answer first. Because he wants the last word. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Something about the author being important. Uh, say whatever you have to say. For me, this was very uh, interesting uh, because it's English. You know? This doesn't happen to me in other languages. So, so being translated into English, I feel I have more say, or I can have more say. 
but it's a dance, I think, that goes on. Um, because they are the experts. If not, I would translate it myself. No? I don't think so. You do translate that, don't you? No, I, no, I, but this thing that you, you say that you think in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, there's actually yeah, a previous yeah. translation it takes, yeah, um, which is very unusual. Yeah. Um, um, I, write, I write in Spanish, but, I, but while I'm writing in Spanish, I'm thinking in, in English, or I'm thinking in two languages, really. Um, so s- certain sentences are in my head in English, and they hit the page in Spanish. So the, there is a translation pro- you know, in process. Mm. Uh, but, but, but your question is very interesting because I don't think you can answer that. You know, it's this give and take that has to happen and, and trying to come to a solution, and you don't always do. You know, there's certain points where they would concede or other points where I would concede. Um, and then there are very few where, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a strong argument could be made for either case and neither would concede. And then, then who has the last word? So Danny's going to have the last one. If you ah ah, am I thinking? Yes, in American, American English. Yeah, because I grew up in. Yeah, which is also a different. uh, If you're talking about intention behind the text, then the author knows best. But well, yeah, yeah. Better. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, I would say that. Even if he's having to think about it newly, authority with the original story stays with him. But I'm not talking about language, because I think there the authority is the translators. Because you're talking about the nuances of a... Well, you're talking about the sound of a word, in a, which can be very, very delicate. You know, you really can talk about the most small boring of words for a really long time. Um, this is only a taster, you see. Um, you have no idea. You've yeah, and really, I mean, it's really, yeah. it really matters to people. Mm. Um, that's because, you know, literary translators working into their, into their language, I mean... They're indigenous. Language. In almost any... Yeah, yeah. They're, indig- they're Mayan they're language. They're indigenous tongue. In almost, in almost every case, apart from... I mean, if you're talking about literature, you know, you'll almost always find that somebody's translating into their own language because that's where they're an authority and because mostly the skill that they're being employed for is their skill in composition in their language. So you're being employed as a, as a writer of English... And that's what the author isn't in this case. Yeah. I mean, a writer of English, you have to have the, you have to be able to be complete, you know, as immersed as possible in, you know, and have expert comprehension. But that's all, if you like the starting point, and your uh, body of uh, skill is about all of this stuff that we're discussing. It's why it's one of the reasons why most of the the discrepancies when we're talking when we look at the text are not actually about. Uh, moments of interpretation. They're, they're after the interpretation that you've pretty much agreed something or simply decided something different. But you're, it's about the choice that you then make in because you're a writer of English and you're a writer of English and you have different things you privilege and different ways you choose to express yourselves. I know that there are hands up, but actually we are out of time. I'm really sorry. Um, no one's going to leave anytime soon. So do come and you know throw mm-hmm. yourselves at these people and ask them uh, questions. Um, I hope uh, this slightly. Uh, unusual exercise um, which we have got so far from completing um, has and for those of you who translate this will not come as no surprise to you but for the rest of you I hope that one of the things it's done is given you a sense of, of uh, the ways in which a work of, the work of a translator is both this interpretive and this creative thing um, and as it were the kind of mechanical thing between us is not the interesting bit and actually what it tells you is that uh, 
we're dealing with people who are readers and people who are writers, and you can therefore have translations which are very, very variant and at the same time which are both appropriate and both elegant and both thoughtful. Um, we're going to stop now. Uh, Ed is going to be here to sign copies of the book. If you're really lucky, the translators will also sign the book. This is very important <laughs> since the translators are here. Ed might also sign something, but we have, you know, we have a... A big collection of translators here to sign things. Um, before you rush and buy copies of this book, I'm going to ask you to, to thank these people, to thank Ed, but mostly to thank the translators who um, have been asked to do something which is, which is very unusual, I think. And I, I don't know how many of you do the kind of jobs in which you'd be happy to talk your way through exactly what you're doing from second to second in front of 96 people in public. Um, there are some people who would find that comfortable, there are some people who would not. Um, but neither Ollie nor Tom have, have done this event before, uh, so it's a very brave thing to do. I don't think they've ever been at one of these events, and possibly not done any public event of this kind or any public event, a regular sort of public event like this before. So it's an amazingly brave thing to do and possibly very foolish. Um, and so I would like you to be very grateful to them and thank Ed for most of <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to say thank you to the panel and to Daniel for chairing it. Thank you to the audience um, for all of your questions and comments. It's, it's been a very insightful evening. Um, this is part of the London Review Bookshop's World Literature Series. Um, so I'd like to thank the supporters of the series, which is the British Centre for Literary Translation, the Kaluskal-Benkin Foundation and Arts Council England. Um, we have a, a, these are going to be regular monthly events. You can find out details about the World Literature Series on the London Review Bookshop's website and sign up to their mailing list. Um, the next events in the series, we've got two sets of events about literary friendships. The first one's on Wednesday the 5th of December when Colm Torbin will be talking to uh, his Hungarian writer friend, Laszlo Krasnohorkai. And then on Friday the 11th of January, we'll have Tim Parks talking to the Swiss writer, Peter Stamm. But um, as Danny said, the books are on sale. Um, our panel is going to be staying around, so you can come and carry on the discussion, have a glass of wine. But please join me once again in thanking uh, Daniel Hahn, Ollie Brock, Tom Bunstead, and Eduardo Halfon. Thank you for joining us for this London Review Bookshop event. For more, visit our website at www.londonreviewbookshop.co.uk or search for the London Review Bookshop on iTunes. <laughs>